All right, all right. How you doing today? Good, good, good. Well, hey, I, it's my honor to be able to speak to you today. It's, uh, it's a little unique because usually I'm on the other side of the cameras or something like that. So being up here sometimes is a little different for me. Sometimes I'm just going to maybe, if you hear me during the random you know, bit of the service and telling Greg, hey, Greg, let's go over here to camera two. I'm just joking. But hey, we're so, I'm so glad you're here today. And uh, if you're there online, I'm so glad you joined in today. Uh, if you're here for the very first time, whether online or here in the room, let me just tell you, come back next week and, and hear the, the real preacher. Um, I, hey, we're going to have fun today. I'm excited to hear what I'm going to say too. So um, we're going to have fun today, but uh, just come back next week because you want to be able to hear our pastor. And uh, you know, last week was our fourth birthday, four years of City Hills, and a lot was said at last week about everybody else, but I'm going to take just a moment to honor our pastors, Pastor Mitch and Brandy. Let's give them a round of applause. Sometimes I don't want to take for granted the honor I have to be able to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit and see some of those vulnerable moments. And over the four years, the sacrifice and the passion and the sweat and the blood and the tears, all of it for the love of you and this church and what God's doing in San Antonio and the Hill Country. I want to honor them and love on them. They've done so much in my life. Uh, a story that you that a lot of people don't know is that four years ago when we were starting this church, I was just coming back from Bible college. And whenever you graduate from college, you want to make money. And so I'm trying to apply for jobs. And here Pastor Mitch is. He's trying to plan a church. And at the same time, he's helping me get interviews and, and look for jobs. And then at some point in that process, I decided, you know what? Why wouldn't I want to be at some place and plant myself in some place with a pastor that is so passionate and selfless for others? And so that's when I decided, you know what? City Hills is going to be my home. And, you know, we'll, I'll work where I got to work until I can work at the church. And so that's the kind of pastor we have. And so I wanted to honor him today. Let's give him one more round of applause. All right, all right. I got a, a hanky. I've never had one of these in my whole life, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> it could get wild today. So, well, we're finishing up our series, uh, emotions. Hasn't it been such an amazing practical series in my life? I know it has, and for a few people here. Uh, but today we're gonna finish it up, and I, we're talking about anger today. So the emotion we're gonna go into is anger and. You know, I said that we had staff retreat this, this past week and somebody on our staff asked, they were like, hey, what is, what's your topic? What are you going to be speaking about? And I said, anger. And then they laughed. And I don't know, I kind of got offended and got a little mad about that, but, but uh, we're going to speak about anger today. And so I just want you to kind of buckle in. It's going to be good. Um, but wouldn't you agree that, uh, that, that we're living in one of the, the angriest times in our lifetime? Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, uh, does anybody, would you, would you know, happen to know anybody that possibly is just a little bit on edge or just a little bit angry in this world today? If not, then you're obviously not on, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or you're Amish or something. I don't know. But if, if you're on social media, you've seen somebody that's angry. You've probably had to mute a few people, kind of get some of that toxicity out of your life. But but anger is just kind of is, is in our world today, and, um, and it's one of the angriest times in our lifetime. I mean, in this season, wouldn't you admit, wouldn't me and you good Christian men and women, wouldn't, wouldn't you admit that it's been a season where we kind of struggle a little bit with, like, being really easily agitated? Just me? 
Okay, I'll admit it. I'm not going to lie in church. So uh, it is a season where we're just a little agitated, you know. You can get quickly agitated. I'll give you an example from my life. It's very simple simple, uh, and honestly just kind of surface level. But the other day, uh, it was a Saturday. I had been out running a few errands, and, and it was still the morning time. And so I live in Texas, so I love breakfast tacos. I'm going to go get me a breakfast taco. I go over to a taco place right down the road, and I pull up into the drive-thru. I make my order, get up to the window, realize I don't have my wallet. But we do live in 2020, and we don't want to touch anything, so surely they have Apple Pay, you know, we're touchless. And Nope, they don't have that, so I, I have to sit and wait in line for another 10 minutes for everybody to get out of the way so I can get out of the drive-thru. That's always very embarrassing. And uh, so then I'm like, well, I'm on mission. I gotta, I gotta get my breakfast tacos. I've already told my wife I'm coming home with breakfast tacos. So she's expecting them. And so I go to another taco place. As I'm pulling in to, to this place, they, they start to put cones in front of the, the drive-through. And then I, I park in the parking lot and go to get out. And somebody comes to the door and says, "Sorry, we just had to close." I don't know what happened in that place, but needless to say, I didn't get tacos there. And so he, I'm, at this point, I'm getting a little agitated, if you, if you can feel me. And, uh, and so then I go to the bank, and I was like, well, I can, I can do touchless. I can, get, I can get cash out of the ATM. I can go back to the place that I first went to. I go there then, and there's two lines of drive through wrapped around the building. <laughs> I start to think, well, maybe I'm just not going to get tacos. Maybe the Lord's saying, you need to watch your weight. And then I got mad about that. And then... And then I say, well, I'm going to give it one more shot. There's another place close to my house. I'm going to go to that place. I drive in. They boarded it up, and it's under construction. It's going to be a brand-new restaurant. That's not even a place anymore. And so at that point, I may have put my fist on the steering wheel very gently and just went home, and I didn't get my tacos. But I was so frustrated. I like to say frustrated because angry. That I'm a little too civilized for being angry. But I was so frustrated. I know, that, I know that's kind of surface level, but in the world we live in today, everything is kind of on edge. Everything is politicized. Uh, sports. Should we have sports? Should we not have sports? I, I know this isn't the right time for it, but Trent, you moved up here. I know you're an Aggie. I just want to go ahead and say roll tide. Roll tide. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Don't get too angry. Uh, but uh, everything's politicized. Should we have sports? Should we not have sports? If we have sports, can they have fans in the stands or should they not have fans in the stands? Are we being reckless about it? Uh, what about this one? Uh, a school. You send in your kids. I do not envy you. I look forward to the day I have kids, but I do not envy you in this time because what do you do? Do you go back to school? Do you make your kids wear masks all day? Do you homeschool? Do you not homeschool? And then what is everybody else saying? How are they going to treat you? How, what are they saying to you? There's so many people that are angry and on edge about it. It gets politicized. What about, what about this one is personal, but what about churches? Should we open? Should we not open? You would not believe how many people are passionate about one side or the other. Some people are saying, I can't believe you would go back to church. Other people are saying, what kind of faith do you have not going back to church? Everybody has an opinion. Everything's politicized. Mask. Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Are they helpful? Or are they not helpful? A lot of people don't know. So it just gets really frustrating, really angry, but it's all politicized. But I promise you this, just, I know I kind of got you ramped up, but I have no political agenda today. I, there's, we're not going to talk about all that. I just wanted to say, 
It's out there. The frustration's out there. I think that the anger that we're seeing today in our world speaks far deeper than any political agenda. And I think it speaks to the condition of our heart. I think as a society, it would probably be good to kind of hit the pause button and just kind of examine our heart. I think long before 2020, we were already agitated. We were already on edge. We were already struggling with things in our heart. And we were seeing it in our personal lives. And now a pandemic just exposes it. So I have no political agenda today. We're just going to talk about anger. And the first question that always comes up whenever we talk about anger is, is it a sin to be angry? Is it a sin to have the emotion of anger, to be frustrated with a problem, with something like somebody that promised something that didn't come through or something that you earned that you didn't get? Is it a sin to be angry? And the answer, short answer is no. It's not a sin to be angry, but being angry can cause you to sin. Being angry can cause you to sin. It can lead to destructive and sinful behaviors. I think we can all agree if you just look around and some of those examples I just, I just put out there and threw out there to you, that there's a lot of angry sinning going on in our world today. There's a lot of people that have gotten angry probably for a just cause that have taken it to the extreme. And no matter what side of the argument you're on, I'm talking to that. We can get angry and we can take it to the extreme. We can, it can, if we're not careful, it can lead to sinful behavior, sinful life living I like the way it says it in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say that you, that you won't be angry. It's saying you're going to be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. So you're kind of starting to, to hit on the, the topic here, right? The point is, is if you get angry, don't stay in it. Don't brew it. I love the way the Ecclesiastes says it. It says that anger rest in the belly of fools. Now, don't go back and use that on your spouse later. I'm hoping my wife doesn't use that on me. But, but if you get angry and you stay there and you brew on it, the Bible says you're a fool. You got to get that high-pitched voice for that because it's, it's, it's pretty extreme. It's pretty out there. But, but the Bible says if you will brew on that, if you'll stew in your anger, you're a fool. You're a fool, and I'll just I'll move on from that point. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your sin, I mean, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold in the Greek means a place or a room. It means a place or a room. Sometimes we can get angry, and we can get frustrated, and essentially we just leave the door cracked, for the enemy to get a foothold into a room in our life. And I wonder how many times in places in our marriage that we've, we've allowed anger to just kind of, we left the door open for anger to get in and let the devil get in and bring in sinful and disconnect us emotionally from, from our spouse because we let him have a foothold. I wonder how many times in our friendships, one little thing, one little issue that, that could have easily been talked out, but we didn't talk it out. We didn't address it. We just left the door open. And the enemy's gotten in, and he's put a foothold into your life, and he's destroyed some friendships, some lifelong friendships. The people that God's put in your life, the devil's taken out of your life because you let, let, left the door open. 
I, I wonder how many times maybe you're a witness, you're, you're calling, that, that you've let the devil kind of get into it and bring in doubt because of, of one little thing. Your boss just said that they were going to give you something and they didn't. You earned it and they didn't come through and you're just angry about it and you've let the devil get into that situation. Can I get an amen? I wonder how many times we've let the devil have a foothold into our life. You see, your anger, anger might lead you to sinful behavior and end up compromising your ability to make a difference in the very thing you care the most about. If we let sin, if we let the anger just kind of hang around and, and marinate in our life, it, it, it could compromise your ability to make a difference in the thing you care the most. I like to say it this way. Don't let your need to make a point sacrifice your ability to make a difference. Sometimes we can be so bent on making a point. We want to just show them we have the truth. We have the fact. And we want to prove something so bad that we lose our ability. We lessen our influence. We lessen our witness to be able to go into people's lives and have an impact in people's lives and in the situation, in the areas that God's called you, because we're so bent on making a point that we sacrifice our ability to make a difference. Don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. Don't let anger have a, have a way to open the door for, for bitterness and, and, and distrust to move into your life. James, the brother of Jesus, explains this beautifully. He explains this beautifully. In James 4 and 1, he says, he poses a question and he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? And I know if you're like me, you probably read that and you think, well, it's, you got it wrong there, James. I don't mean to, I know you're the brother of Jesus, but it's really not a what, it's a who. It's not, it's not a what, it's a who. You, if you just knew my mom, if you just knew, I'm married now and she just comes in. I'm not talking about you, mom. I'm sorry. If you're watching online, I'm not, this is just an example. Don't, don't get mad. But, but if you just knew her, if you just knew when she comes over and she tells me this and how to clean my room and how we should do this and how we should, I, I, I'm married now. Just, it's, a, it's not a what, it's a who. You don't know my boss. You don't know the way they, they talk to me, the way that they don't communicate, the way that they, 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 they just, they, they don't breed trust in our team. You don't know my boss. It's a what. I mean, it's a who, not a what. It's a, it's a who, not a what. You, 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 don't know, you don't know my kids. I don't have kids yet, but the one thing I worry about having kids is that they're going to be like me. Megan gets mad because I say, I'm ready, but I'm nervous. And because I know what I was like as a kid, and I can remember a time whenever I was a teenager, my dad looking at me and saying, when did you become the man of the house? And I can only imagine the frustration and the anger I brought my parents. And sometimes we think it's a, a who and not a what. We think it's a who and not a what. And James says, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because you're wrong. I, I don't mean to correct you, but, but, but you're wrong. It, it's, it's a what and not a who. And as long as you think it's a who... It, you'll never get to the root of the what. As long as you think it's somebody and it's an external force and not inside you, you'll never get to the root of the anger and the frustration that fuels our life. I like to say it in this way, whenever James uh, says it, he says in verse, he goes on in verse one, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And he says, 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Don't they come from those desires that are waging war within you? You see, the cause of anger isn't out there. It's in here. It's not out there. It's not them. It's not your boss. It's not your spouse. It's it's not the people on the road, even though they are horrible drivers. It's not them. It's in here. It's in here. The source is in here. The reason we fight and the reason we get angry is because there's something we want that we're not getting. There's something out there that we want, that we deserve, and we're not getting it. Now, now I can play devil's advocate all day. Uh, and, and a lot of times, we, the response to that would be, but you just don't know. I, I earned it. I've worked hard. I've put in, I put in the time. I've, I've come early. I've stayed late. I've earned it. How did you give it to them? I earned it. I just want what I earned. And I would be like, yes, you, want, you earned it. You want what you earned, right? Correct. So you're not getting what you want. Or, you, you know, they promised it. They promised. They had a promise, and they broke their promise. They didn't come through. And, and, and you want them to deliver on their promise, right? Correct. Yeah, well, so you're not getting what you want. But, they, but they did, what they did wasn't fair. But, you know, what they did was, was hurtful. It was deceitful. It wasn't, it wasn't fair, and I just want what was fair, what, what was due to me. So, so I get that. What they did was wrong, and anybody can see that. But, but what you want is fair, right? Right. So you're not getting what you want. See, James is saying that, that the source of our anger and the source of our frustration isn't out there. It's in here. He goes on in James 4 and 2, and he says, You desire to have, so you kill. You, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. And I know that's extreme, and you're probably thinking, well, that's, that's hyperbole. That's where the Bible kind of just exaggerates things. And it is hyperbole, but it's not. But it's not. You see, if you don't realize that the source is in here and not out there, you'll carry the potential to take things to an unhealthy extreme. You'll, t- you'll carry the potential to take things to an unhealthy healthy extreme. James is telling us to beware because the very thing that does cause murder is in, in, in us if we don't control it. Those desires that are waging to, to get what we want, to get what we desire, those battles within us, if we're not careful, can, they're coming for us. As long as you think it's him, as long as you think it's him and, and you can't control him, you'll have an excuse to feel like you don't have to control yourself. As long as you think it's them and it's their problem, it gives us the off, gets us off the hook to believe that we don't have a reason to control ourselves, to control our anger, to control our frustration. But James is saying that that is the root. And if you don't check it, if you don't control it, it's coming for you. What's in you is coming for you. He says that, He says that you covet, but you not get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You quarrel and you fight because you do not get what you want. The source is that we're not getting our way. We aren't getting something we want. Now, of course, there are times, there are situations that should frustrate you, that should anger you. When people promise something and they don't come through, you you should take heed to that. You should notice that. It should frustrate you. It should, should people, when people wrong you, you need to take notice of that. 
What James is saying is that we gotta realize the root of the problem. We have to realize the root of the problem. And in the middle of that, in the middle of those circumstances that are just, those frustrations that are right, in the middle of that, what would happen if we could just hit the pause button and own our piece of the argument pie? What if we could just stop and say, you know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Part of the problem is, is I'm not getting what I want. I, I, I would encourage you because you're probably going to have to face this, this message, some of this topic, as soon as you walk out of here. It may happen as soon as you get in your car with your spouse and you go to turn out and they didn't like your driving habit. Happens to me all the time. Uh, you're probably going to have to face that anger. But next time you get into that, next time you're at the restaurant and, and you don't get uh, your order quite right or the, the server is, I thought they worked for a tip, but hey, um, they, they're, they're not on, on it that day. Uh, what would happen if in the moment you would just stop and say, you know what part of the problem is, right? I'm not getting what I want. So I want us to try that all across the room. Next time you come up to this, we're going to say it out loud. We're going to put it on the screen so you know what it is. It, we're going to say it out loud all together. We get frustrated, and this is what we're going to say. One, two, three. You know what part of the problem is, right? I'm not getting what I want. Doesn't it feel good? Now, I want to encourage you that whenever you do get in that with your spouse, I want you to try this. And let me go ahead and encourage you and tell you that the person that does it first is the most mature. Is the most mature. I've been, this message has been working on me for the last couple of weeks. So I've been trying it. Now my wife knows what I've been doing. But I'm telling you, it, it works. And, and what would happen if we would just do that? In the middle of our frustration, in the middle of our anger, if we would just realize, hey, 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 I know it's not all my fault. I know it's not all on me. But at the source of it, the only reason I'm getting this frustrated, the only reason I'm getting this angering is because I'm not getting what I want. It'll be amazing how the temperature comes down, how all of a sudden your perspective changes, how all of a sudden you'll start to think, well, I don't know the whole story. Maybe, maybe they're going through something. Maybe, maybe there's something I don't know. There's some facts I don't know. And maybe, maybe they just have a different point of view than me. And I'm not saying that I'm right and they're wrong or they're right and I'm wrong, but I'm just saying I'm not getting what I want. And that's why this anger is fueling in me and going through me. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just get to that point? You know, I had to try this yesterday. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there because I'm telling you, this message has been working on me hard. But yesterday, we get home from staff retreat. I'm pulling into my, my parking garage, and I just, I'm ready to kind of go in, get a shower, take a nap. You know, it's been, it's been a long week. It's been a good week. It's been long. I'm ready to get home and rest. And as, as I'm pulling in the parking garage, there's this guy just standing in the middle of the road. And he's just standing there waiting. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like, he's not in a car. He's in the middle of the, the way. And he's just kind of like, I'm just telling you, I was right in this situation. He was wrong. <laughs> but I was trying to wave him out of the way. But he wouldn't look at me. He kept kind of giving me this mean, like, like I'm, I'm the one that, I'm sorry, I'm in a car, I'm in the middle of a road trying to get into a parking garage. You're the one. Anyway, I, so I, I open the gate. He starts to walk in. He knows I'm behind him because we've already made eye contact, and he still doesn't move out of the way. He, he's still standing there, starts to mean mug me as if I'm wrong, and I know I'm right, 
And, and I got very frustrated, and all of a sudden, I kind of feel a little tap on my leg. And my wife says, you know you're preaching about this tomorrow, right? <laughs> you, you, may want to, you may want to bring it down a little bit. And so in that moment, I had to say, you know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm just not getting what I want. So I'm just going to let him walk. I'm going to let him do his thing. I'll get there when I get there. And I, I felt better about myself. My blood pressure went down. It was all good. But I'm telling you, there's, there's going to come times in your life where you're right. And you, you know you, you've been wronged. Or there's a situation that, that you know is unjust. But you just got to remind yourself that the reason that rage is feeling inside of you is because we're not getting what we want. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. You know, James goes on he, in, verse, in chapter 3, he actually goes on to say, if you can do this, if you, if you can humble yourself enough to do this, you're wise. You'll be wise. You'll be the wise among you. He says this in James 3 and 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Who are the people around you that understand how this world works? Who are those people? He says, let me show you. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. He's saying, if you can just, if you can just stop for a moment and realize, look, I'm not getting what I want. I'm going to de-escalate this situation. I'm going to, I'm going to face these inner desires that are waging war within me. I'm going to face those things down, and I'm going to bring this situation down. He says, you are wise. You understand how this world works. He says that, that you are the wise among you. He says that if you want to be wise and control these emotions, you're going to have to be others-focused and walk in humility. You're going to have to be others-focused and walk in humility. I love, I love how the Apostle Paul says it in, in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 7. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who in the very nature of God did not consider himself, not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. You know, if there's anybody that's ever walked the face of this earth that should get everything they want, I think it would be God. I think it would be God robed in flesh, Jesus. He should get what he wants. But it says that, that in that moment, whenever he, he, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, he didn't use his authority and power to rule over people. Instead, he said, you know what? I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm going to go and I'm going to be humble and I'm going to serve other people. There's power in that. If Jesus did, I think we should do it. You know, there's a lot of times where Jesus could say, you know what? I think y'all are all kind of, kind of off the wagon here and I'm going to just show you how it goes. Let me tell you how it is. But Jesus says, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself nothing and take on a servant attitude. So there's two things I think we need to do if we want to really control the anger in us, control the rage, the frustration that, that wages war within us. There's two things I think we need to do. The first is we need to get on mission to serve others. We need to get on mission to serve others. Jesus said, for whoever saves his life will lose it. Tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever, whoever loses his life will find it. Whoever tries to save it and try to fill it with their own things will lose it. 
You see, I think one of the greatest sources of our frustration in our lives is that, that we're trying to save our lives with our own agendas. We're trying to save our lives with our careers. We're trying to save our lives with filling our schedule. We're trying to save our lives with, with trying to find things that make us happy. And I think as long as we do that, we'll always be frustrated. It'll always come up short. We'll come home from a long weekend that we plan to rest and be tired. Because we're trying to save our own lives. We're trying to, to make our own happiness. We're trying, to, we're trying to brew up something that God says, no, 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 no. If you would just come to me, if you will lay down your life for me, then you'll find life. Then you'll find life. First Peter, Peter 4 and 10 says it like this, that each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. He's saying God made you in a certain way, and you'll find life whenever you engage those gifts to serve other people. All of a sudden, those desires, those, 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 those things that are waging war within you, all of a sudden will be diminished, they will be squashed because you're, you're putting your focus on others. You see, when you decide to make a difference with your life and serve others, that's when you'll find true life. Instead of, instead of getting angry about every single situation, why don't we try to be the solution to those situations? Why don't we try, if, if there's something that makes you so angry, maybe God gave you the ability to solve it. Maybe he gave you the ability to go out and be a cause, I mean, be a solution for that cause. Let's, let's, let's be focused on serving others. Let's be on focus to make a difference and serve others. I'm telling you, if you want to find a quick way to get over being angry for somebody, serve them. Serve them. I'm glad I didn't grow up in a foot-washing church, but there's some power behind that. Because if you're mad at somebody in your church and you have to wash their feet, you'll get over it pretty quick. You'll be humbled enough. Sometimes you just got to serve others. I'm telling you, there's something special about whenever you come and you decide, you know what, I'm going to join the team. I'm going to make a part. I'm going to put down roots in a church and I'm going to serve other people. All of a sudden, your life will find joy. The anger that you had will come down because you'll start to realize there's other people that have other situations. I'm not the only one going through what I'm going through. There's, there's, there's a bigger world out there and I don't need to be so focused in on my problems, my anger, my frustrations. I'm going to serve others. Amen? The second thing I think we need to do if we want to con combat and face the anger and those desires that wage war within us is we need to walk in humility. We need to walk in humility. You know, humility comes from knowing that Jesus said no to himself so I could get what I needed most. Humility is knowing that there's a gift that God gave me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, an eternal life that I didn't deserve, that I've been given. How can I be proud? How can, how can I not walk around humble? That's where humility comes from. And, and that's, why I think, that's why I think the cancel culture doesn't mix well with Christianity. That's where the cancel culture doesn't mix well with Christianity because we realize that that we could have been canceled, but God saved us. If you don't know what the cancel culture is, this is probably the hottest button topic we'll get to today, but the cancel culture is, is, is points in our lives or on social media, it's this phenomenon where maybe celebrities or, or athletes or politicians or companies or even pastors have, have said some things that, that they either didn't mean to say or were just plain out wrong. And people decide in, in this culture, they decide 
Okay, well, we don't agree with that, so you're canceled. And we're just going to cut you out. We're going we're gonna to put you on mute. We're going to take down your ministry, your platform, whatever it is that you've built. We're going to take it down. And I'm here to tell you today that as Christians, we can't do that. As Christians, we have to walk humbly knowing that we didn't get what we deserve. God gave us something we didn't deserve. And we're going to have grace on people in our lives. You know, when you think about those that hurt or mistreated Jesus. You know, the Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Judas, Peter, they all hurt Jesus. But Jesus didn't cancel them. The Pharisees, they, they, they were wrong. Pilate, Pilate called for the crucifixion of Jesus. He was wrong. Herod went after Jesus when he was born. He was wrong. Judas betrayed Jesus' trust. Jesus has given his life for, for it to, to build up people like Judas, and Judas betrays him. He was wrong. Peter denied him three times. He was wrong. But nowhere in the gospel will you ever find Jesus saying, that's enough. He never spoke an ill word against any of them. In fact, when Judas came to meet him in the garden after betraying him and after hurting him, after doing something that is obviously blatantly wrong, Jesus gives him a kiss and forgives him. I'm just saying that there's there's some frustrations, there's some angers that are right that we've got to learn that we've been given grace and we've got to extend grace. There's some times in our lives where, where there's some wrong and there's some things that just shouldn't happen, shouldn't have been said, but we gotta show the grace that God gave us to the others. I'm so thankful that God canceled my sin and didn't cancel me. In Colossians 2, it says it like this. It says that for, for he, God, forgave our sins. He canceled the record of our charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. God canceled my sin, but he didn't cancel me. God canceled the wrongs that I've had in my life, but he didn't cancel me. If we want to combat anger, if we want to take down the the tension in our life, in our world, We've got, to, we've got to be focused on mission to serve others and we've got to walk in humility. Let this be our mission to serve others and walk in humility and here's why. Because in a very divided world, a very divided world needs a unified church. A very divided world, a world of hostility and anger needs a, a unified church. The last thing we need in our world is, is to be going at each other, to be, to, to be taking down each other just because we don't see things from the exact same perspective. The very divided world needs a unified church. Let me remind you that the, the battles we face aren't flesh and blood, but they're spiritual. They're spiritual. And we're gonna combat them with war, and, I mean, with, with prayer and love. The battles we face aren't flesh and blood, but they're spiritual. And we're gonna unite, we're gonna come together. And when we get angry, we're gonna get angry at the devil. 
We're going to get angry at our, our spiritual enemy who, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, who steals joy, kills hope, destroys life, and brings in disunity into a body of believers. A unified mission, a unified mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we're going to unify around. We're going to be known for what we're for and not what we're against. We're gonna disarm anger and realize I don't have to get everything I want, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve others and I'm gonna walk in humility. I wanna be characterized by love and not anger. Anytime we're angry, let's, let's work to bring healing and hope to those that are hurt. Is it a sin to be angry? No. But don't let your anger, don't let your frustration, as justified as they could be, lead you to a sinful lifestyle. Walk in humility, serve others, amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me, let me bring this sermon to a close. Let me pray for you. I wanna pray for two groups of people. First, I wanna pray for you. If, if maybe this is a feeling that, of emotion that you've had to battle in this season, Maybe anger has been the boss of you. It's had control over your life. And today, I believe God's ready to break that chain over your life. I believe he's gonna bring joy and peace and let those be the characteristics of your life. So if that's you, I wanna pray for you right now. Let's pray, God. I, I pray right now that you would move into the hearts of your people, God. Bring in peace that surpasses all understanding, God. Bring, fill us with your joy, God, a joy that is chosen, a joy that, that goes past all my emotions but knows it rests in the fact that you are on the throne, that you are good, and you love us, and it's eternal. I pray that you would move in our hearts, God. I pray right now where there is anger, God, that you would replace it, God, with peace and joy. Replace it with a, a focus on others in a, a humble life a humble walk. I pray, God, that you, would, that you would change those things in our life, God, that you would, your Holy Spirit would, would cleanse us and make us new in that today. I pray that you would be with it. I pray that people would walk out of here today a changed man and a changed woman. God, let anger, let go of their life, God. We pray that you would move in, take up residence in their heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The second group of people I wanna I wanna pray for is maybe, maybe you walked in here today and you thought the God that we serve is an angry God. He's a God that does cancel you or, 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 or put you aside whenever you mess up. And I wanna tell you today that that's just not true. He loved you so much that he moved history. He, he shaped history in such a way to bring a savior to live a perfect life and die a sinner's death for you and me. And today, he doesn't want to cancel you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to bring you back into the fold. He wants to bring you back into the family. Whether you've walked away or this is the very first time that you're ever contemplating this decision, today I believe God wants to say, welcome home. Come back. I love you. And he says, all you have to do is put your faith in me and declare that I am Lord of your life. Quit walking your own way. Quit trying to do it all yourself, but lay it down. And in me, you will find true life. And so if that's you today, 
here in the room or there online, would you raise your hand? Would you say, God, I wanna, I wanna come back to your family. I, w- I wanna be redeemed. I wanna be called righteous. I wanna, I wanna receive what Christ did for me in my life. If that's you today, I wanna pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Let's pray this all together. For those of you that raised your hand, thank you for that. Let's pray this together. God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for sending your son to live a perfect life and die a sinner's death. Today, I'm making you Lord of my life. I repent of my wrong. I repent of doing it all on my own. And today I give you rule. I give you lordship of my life. Today I receive what you did on the cross. Today I receive your death, burial, and resurrection. And today I raise into new life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.